0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real people are doing real estate.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Tristan Ritchie. And today on the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast with Danielle, today we talked about investing in Sudbury, flipping with your worst case scenario in mind, and how to not ever lose money. I hope you guys enjoy the show.
0: Hey everybody, it's Danielle Chason here and you're with the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast. This is where I bring to you real people doing real estate. And today we've got Tristan Ritchie on the show. Woo woo, Tristan, how's it going?
1: Hey Danielle, thank you for having me. I'm doing awesome, and yourself?
0: I'm doing great, doing great. So you're way up north, well, not way up north, but for us like down in, by the city, it's like super cold, super north up in Sudbury. How are things up there?
1: Oh, we actually had uh plus weather today, which was nice. Some of the rain is starting uh, sorry, some of the rain is starting to get rid of the snow, so we're getting close to the spring market but it is it does get pretty cold up here, but we do not have igloos or anything like that. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All Canadians live in igloos, didn't you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> um
0: yeah, so i um just to give a brief overview um, of who you are to the audience. So you're a realtor up in the Sudbury market. You've been a realtor for seven years. You're a realtor investor. And what that means is actually, let me reframe that you're an investor realtor. And I say that in that order because you started investing first before you are actually a realtor. And as much as uh, being a realtor gives you disposable income for your daily cash and help support you, you're, big focus really is on investing. And I love that. And you're always giving back to the investing community. I saw you recently speak at another event that we were both at. Uh, I, I think we both spoke at that event, actually. And yeah, had a lot of fun. So always giving back and helping others. So welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you on.
1: Thank you. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah. So why don't you just tell our audience so they can get to know you a little bit about how you got into investing and how you got into real estate? Because ultimately you went to school for commerce and business and now you're not doing that at all. So tell us how you got here.
1: Yeah. So it it really all started um, when I was in university. My dad uh, started buying properties. Uh, He's a university prof. And on the side in the evenings, he'd work on properties. I would go to showings with them, bank appointments. And he was like, I remember him explaining the concept of refinancing. So that's when it really clicked in my head. I was like, that is a crazy concept and you could really use this to scale and, and, and make some money. So in my third year university, I bought my first property, which is really what motivated me to get into real estate eventually. And so at that point I was living for free plus making 600 bucks a month. At that time, real estate in Sudbury was quite cheap, I paid 210,000 for the place, rented each room. And it was, it was a great situation I was in and then took a year off to do my real estate course. Cause I thought I can help other people do this. And so I got my real estate license and now I've been helping people invest a ton of people over the last seven years and also been accumulating a lot of properties over the last seven years, flips, long-term holds and, uh, whatever I can get my hands on that actually my clients don't want (laughs) pretty much.
0: That's funny. So there's always opportunity there, even when people think there aren't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You got to see it though.
0: Yeah. You got to see, you got to get out there and see it. That's, and not only that, I think it's really important to have an investor friendly realtor on your team. And so the fact that you're investing, you totally understand the numbers, you understand what an investor needs to look at and the investor perspective in order to make a deal work. So I think a lot of uh, new investors who are getting into real estate Don't realize there's a difference between an everyday transactional realtor who works in the retail market versus an investor friendly realtor. Do you want to just explain that a little bit and what the benefits are?
1: Yeah, there's an investor friendly realtor. You really need to understand the vision of what people are trying to build, right? And a lot of people, there's different strategies. Obviously, everyone has their own way of doing things. The buy and hold, the big one that we've been seeing. Um, that you talk about in your podcast, like the Burr strategy, right? Pulling all your money out, uh, the, the regular realtor that's dealing with just single family homes, most of the time, doesn't understand the concept of that. Like, why would you want to do that? Right? But it's, it's to get to scale really, to get to where you want to be your financial freedom at a faster pace and understanding that and the way the numbers work, certain properties work better because of the, the type of work that needs to be done to reach those ARV values after repair values. So working with a realtor that understands your vision and can work with you to build it is, is very important. And I enjoy it, right? It's fun.
0: <laughs> well, and I think investor realtors do enjoy it more than just regular realtors who are just doing a job because it's, uh, I, we, we love crunching the numbers and finding good deals. So,
1: <laughs> and, and honestly, you learn a lot from my buyers as well, right? Some of them have different strategies that they bring to me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's super interesting. And I can bring that to my other buyers or myself in the future.
0: Well, and that's just called experience, right? And that's what an investor-friendly realtor will bring to the table. When they're dealing with investors, they're always seeing what other strategies are out there, new strategies that are coming out. They're the ones that are going to see it before anybody else. Somebody comes up with a great new idea, they start implementing it, and that's how it circulates. So there's a lot of benefit to working with an investor-friendly realtor over a standard daily transactional realtor that's in the retail space. Absolutely. hundred percent. But that's not why we're here today. I want to talk to you about, cause you're doing a lot of flips and I want to talk to you about being in the scary world of flipping right now in 2023, because a lot of people don't want to touch flips because the market is slowed a fair bit. Numbers are up when it comes to interest rates. Uh, the valuations are down. And so you're just going hard at it. You said, you know, I think off, off, um, before we started recording. You mentioned that you just closed on two more flips last week. And so you're just plowing forward. So we had a bit of a conversation about this, you and I. And at the end of the day, it just boils down to having multiple exit strategies where you have a plan B and a plan C. You're like, there's no way I can lose. So I'm like, we need to talk about this on the podcast. So I need you to tell me more about how you can be doing the flipping strategy right now where everybody's scared to do this yet. You're like, "Mm, yeah, I can't lose. I can't lose. So tell me more about that.
1: So I did have to shift the focus a little bit. I had to be okay with a little bit lower margins. Um, but with the amount of work that I'm actually putting into it, if the margins a little bit lower, I'm okay with that as well. Right. If it's, 40 grand instead of 60 grand. It's the, the amount of work that is the same and it's still extra income that I'm doing just on the side. Right. And, um, so the no lose situation in my mind is I started focusing on a little bit cheaper properties so that I have the worst case scenario of what if I do not get my money out? What if I run into all the issues that you could think of? I have to sink an extra 30, $40,000 into this property. What is my worst case scenario? And that's, I have to hold the property if the market crashes for some reason. So if I have to hold the property, I'm into it for, I know this might shock you guys, but our Sudbury numbers, you can buy 300, put 40, sell 400, right? So that's just an example, but at the 400 mark, can you still cash flow if you turn into Airbnb? So I have an Airbnb here, I know what the numbers are like. So if I have to, worst case scenario, hold this property, I'm still either breaking even or in the green a couple hundred bucks a month. So that's the worst case scenario. Um, Or I unload it and I break even. So yeah, that would suck. But it it is a reality of doing business, right? You might get nine good deals and then you get one that doesn't work out. So you just have to be okay taking that one on the chin, so to say. So that's kind of the way I see it with the the worst case scenario. If you have that lined up, you, you don't have to be scared to jump in because you know that you're going to be okay.
0: So your plan. What I'm hearing you saying is your plan B and your plan C. The plan B is to hold it and Airbnb it for cash flow, or even just to hold it where it's maybe breaking even until the market stabilizes, till you get a better, a better value or a better purchase price.
1: Yeah, and even I, like for example, I have one right now, um, just finishing it up. i about to put it on the market. And it has a bedroom in the basement. It has the the bathroom in the basement as well. So again, worst case with that one, I spend another ten thousand, put in a quick kitchen, and then I have a two unit, a duplex, in a good area of town. So at that point, there's even more cash flow. So there's always those little things that I look at to try to see if if it's the fan, am I going to be okay?
0: Right. So that's with the the flips. How have you found with with underwriting flips right now, are you still doing them at the, uh, at the same, are you underwriting them the same way? How are you protecting yourself from potentially any future rate increases or lot uh, down downsides again on the valuations of properties?
1: Um, So I'm a lot of them. Like I use all my own cash. I don't uh, do any private uh, mortgages. Some of them I try to buy a lot of people. I know it's OPM using other people's money. Um, with the family now I'm trying to reduce the risk a little bit. So I did used to do that a little bit. So now I'm, some of them I even buy just cash so that I can, I don't have the risk of the mortgage. And then, then I just have to remortgage it once again, if the worst case scenario happens, which hasn't happened yet. Um, so if I am getting a mortgage on them, I make sure I add a little 1%. So I'm usually underwriting them at the 7% interest rate if I'm okay there. Although I don't think it's gonna really reach that personally, but that, that's kind of what the way I look at it. So always add a little bit of uh, a worst-case scenario to it.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's very prudent because you just don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said that hasn't happened yet in the Sudbury market where you've had to you know, go to a plan B or plan C. So talk to me a little bit more about the Sudbury market and how it's faring right now. Because I know like 2021, 2022, even... 2020 is when people really started rushing up into that space. How is that market now? Because what the prices were three years ago and where they are now is uh, much different. So do you find that there's a lot of people going up there and, and buying a property still?
1: It just started actually three weeks ago again. So Sudbury's is kind of a funny market where we're basically, I always tell people we're five years behind you guys um, down South because it takes forever for things to pick up here. Um, so our prices are still pretty low. Like you got about 400,000 average house price right now. Uh, we had dropped from just over five to about the 380 mark during the really slow period in December, January. And then the last three weeks, believe it or not, it just been zero to a hundred. It's things are going, everything's holding offers again here in Sudbury, uh, multiple offers on everything. There's not enough sales in Sudbury, like our, a day, sometimes we see five, six in all of Sudbury. So you can't really do an average that would be accurate because one $2 million house could skew the whole thing. But from a experience, like a realtor that does a lot of business, I feel the average house price has jumped about 30,000 um, in the last three weeks, just in the amount of buyers that are starting to feel comfortable with the market and the interest rates.
0: Right, that's crazy. I think with the spring you know it's back to being more of a balanced market i feel like everybody's like oh like oh the market is so slow well things are still selling within 60 days and that you know a balanced market is is 90 days and so uh i i really feel that we're just kind of more in a balanced market and then in the market that we had before we didn't see the trends when we were selling stuff it was a high high hot seller's market and the trends were, I mean, we were selling houses seven to 14 days. So like there was just never any downtime throughout the year, but now I think we're kind of back into, it was a slow winter for you realtors. It's been really tough for realtors and mortgage brokers. Um, Now we're going back into spring and there seems to be a bit of a spring buzz going on, right? Oh, definitely.
1: Definitely. It's nice after a little slow period, but it's also just gotten way too crazy at the same time.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to circle back to um what you had t- said in the very beginning about your dad explaining to you what refinancing was. And I want to come back to this because if when I was your age, back when I was 20, if I had somebody to explain to me what a mortgage was and how financing works and you know, what, just the term mortgage was very scary then. nowadays with the information, you know, information era and technology being at our disposal. I think the kids have a lot more kids, meaning young adults, I'm sorry, have a lot more access to that knowledge and education. But tell me how that was pivotal for you, having somebody who knew about mortgaging, who had rental properties, knew about refinancing and reinvesting that money, kind of pulling out that equity and reinvesting it. Tell me how, cause you said that triggered something in my mind. So tell me a little bit more about that because I think it's important for us to educate our children so that we can pass on that gift.
1: Yes, I, Since I've been young, I've always been interested in the financial side of the world, like the stock market. And, and then my dad, when he started talking about real estate, it seemed like just the way safer bet and easier bet with having an asset, you do have expenses, but you have them covered um, by your tenants. And then I can't really, it's hard to explain how it triggered in my mind because for me, it was just normal growing up around that. Right, I would it and, and, and only triggered after like a year of talking about it and going on these meetings with him. And then he started to really go in depth about pulling money that you don't have to pay taxes on and you can use that to buy another property. And it was like playing Monopoly. I know Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that book explains that a little bit as well. So it's like real life Monopoly. And at that point, um, being a competitive person, loving the financial industry, I was like, I could. that sounds like a fun thing to do. Um, And that's when I started to really look into it, research it, and um, eventually my dad convinced me to get my first property.
0: That's awesome. And did you stay? So you did house hacking, that was your first strategy, essentially, because when you bought that house, presumably, uh, you just needed the 5% down, your dad helped you out and then helped you through the process. Like, and this is my point. I think when you're a young person dealing with the bank dealing with big words that we've never really had to deal with before. Uh, and a, a massive loan. I mean, we're talking four, three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000. That's a lot of money to somebody who's making very little at the time and have no concept of how you're going to pay it back. I think having that education is pivotal in order to open yourself up to that, because there's a lot of young people that think they can't, that I'm constantly saying, yes, you can. So that's why I wanted to dive into that a little bit to just see what helped you.
1: I, I love that you're saying that because that's so true. It's, And I see this a lot with uh, clients of mine that are getting coached as well, is it's, it's that little bit of confidence that pushes you over the edge to to jumping in. Because now after being in it almost 10 years, you see, you look back at your deal that you were super scared to jump into and you're like, wow, that... that really there was, it's like anything in life, right? You look back, you're like, oh, why was I worried about this girlfriend at the time or whatever it was? Or at, or your first property, man, I was so nervous to buy it. Like, am I going to make these payments? What if this happened? What if that happens? And then it really, it's after like a month, you make that first mortgage payment, you realize that it's way more simple than you think. Or after two months, you make your payments, you're like, okay, this is actually a little bit easier than I expected, right? Worst case scenario, I cover some of the costs with my my income but i agree it's searching out uh experienced people that can maybe mentor you like you said listening to podcasts like yours is awesome because it gives you that confidence to just take that leap of faith and jumping into it because i don't i don't really know anyone that has long-term lost in real estate actually i don't know anyone so it's understanding that as well i think
0: yeah it's and of course it's understanding you have to understand the process once you understand the process then you have the confidence to follow it through but when you don't know what you're getting into so the problem is a lot of a lot of these young people you know they they don't have that exposure that you had with your father and so i just want to encourage anybody who's listening to the podcast right now if you're that person and this identifies with you keep doing what you're doing, keep consuming information until it becomes clear in your head on the process. And then it's not so scary anymore. And it's really never as bad as we think it is.
1: <laughs> exactly. And there's there, the investment community that we're in, like where we spoke at um, a couple of weeks ago, it, everyone's so helpful. Like there's so many deals for everyone to have. Obviously there is probably a little bit of competition, but at the same time, these people love getting together for dinners, for lunches, for these events, and just talking to each other and learning from each other. So if you just get involved in some of these, even just on Facebook groups or meetups in your city, people love to talk about real estate that are involved in it. And you can learn a lot from those people.
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to start wrapping up. Um, We have a couple of like last minute questions that we like to ask, because I'm curious for you now that you're, you're doing the flips, and of course, you're doing the realtor stuff, and that's, you know, your everyday job. That's kind of like your job and puts food on the table for you. With the real estate stuff, what is the next steps for you?
1: I'm I'm currently going through a rebranding where um I'm go- I have a team, so we're three agents, two admins, and um we're going to start to expand a little bit out of Sudbury, so we're going to have the Use, use our systems to grow. And our next stop is Manitoulin Island, which is very close to Sudbury, still our board. Um, we'll just have an agent out there. And then we're looking to slowly expand and try to be in the North a little bit more. Cause I know people coming up to Sudbury, we're kind of the hub of the North, but North Bay Thunder Bay have all been pretty popular during the pandemic because of our affordable prices.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely still affordable. And the, um, <laughs> So you want to dominate the North. That's what's next for you. Is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. I'll be here cheering you on as you're doing that. Nice. So what, what would you tell your former self if you had to go back and uh, you could, you could tell, give some advice to yourself? What would you go back and say?
1: Definitely be more confident in your decisions. So like we were just talking about, even like, I'm, I know I'm super blessed. to have had someone in my corner kind of pushing me. Um, but is jumping in a little bit sooner, maybe taking advantage of opportunities that I might've let pass because I had a little bit of fear. Um, and I know one of your past podcasts, you talked about the imposter syndrome and we've all kind of had that. And it's kind of getting past that and being like, understanding that everyone is going through fear in their life, whatever they're doing. So you be you being in that situation, getting past that, buying your first property, second or third, I should have jumped on opportunities a lot quicker and faster than I did.
0: Yeah, that's a common one. A lot of people are saying, you know, just do it. Just do it faster. Stop thinking about it. Just do it.
1: So easy to say when it's 10 years from now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. But okay, so you mentioned, I, I'm going to circle back to this imposter syndrome thing. You mentioned the imposter syndrome. So did you go through that yourself?
1: Yeah. You I I still sometimes, you know, you go through any business owner, you know, you get the ups where you're just like, Oh man, nothing can go wrong doing so well. And then you go through periods of down. You're like, Oh, is this actually what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I doing this right? Am I, did I make a big mistake here? So in those moments for sure, you know, and even, um, the the last presentation I did, that was the first time in front, I've done others before, but in front of like a hundred and some people, I was like, why would they want to listen from me? Right. And then, but I know that having my heart beat super fast before going up there and just getting past that is what's going to, you feel super fulfilled after the fact. So then you just kind of, like I say, jump in, do your best. And, you know, there's a reason that people ask you to do things like that.
0: Absolutely. So what do you, what do you do to get over that imposter syndrome? So if anybody out there is listening and they're kind of dealing with that right now, what advice would you give them?
1: that everyone is going through it. So when I, if I go to a networking event, um, I'm a little, obviously a little bit nervous. I think everyone is, but you have, what I always tell myself is everyone there is probably more nervous than I am or at least close to. So then when I go in there and we're chatting, you know, it's at least, you know, that you're not the only one. And I think you start to realize that over time, but it's, it's just normal to be nervous. It's, it's, you don't want to make a fool of yourself, right? No one ever does, but, um, just understand that everyone else is also do- getting doing the exact same thing.
0: I love that. It's normal to be nervous. I, I love that a lot because I think when we are feeling nervousness or a little bit of anxiety over something, we think it's just us. And I love what you said, like other people in the room are feeling that most people in the room are also feeling that. So just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because people can't see it in you. You just think they can because you're feeling naked in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, listen, Tristan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about the Sudbury market and how flipping is still working, people. It's still working because Tristan is doing it. And uh, just adjust your numbers and make sure that it still makes sense. Absolutely. Um, if anybody wanted to reach out to you or come visit you in Sudbury or do some, do some investing in Sudbury, how could they reach out to you?
1: Yeah. So you can, my, where most people reach out is here, like my Instagram at real Richie. Um, I post a lot of informational content about Sudbury investing and real estate here. Um, I just enjoy that and I have a team here. So if you do reach out, we'll hook you up with someone that is, does exactly what I do, helps you with finding rental properties. Um, and we would honestly, we'd love to help Yeah, or just our website and, um, Facebook, all the usual places, and YouTube. I have a lot of content there too, um, just on different neighborhoods, rents, and things you can, everything about Sudbury, basically.
0: Yep, you're all about Sudbury. So if you guys want to learn about Sudbury, check out his YouTube channel, ton of content on there. He absolutely loves the market that he's investing in and working in. So check him out on YouTube. We'll have all of the links and his YouTube channel and his contact information all in the show notes so for sure just go back there if you want to reach out to him connect with Tristan he is a ton of knowledge for that market and I'm still in that market so I, it, I know it's still a good market so if you guys want to check it out give Tristan a call and he'll give you a tour All right, Tristan. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a pleasure having you on always. And this is Danielle signing off for the Let's Get Real Estate Podcast, where I bring to you real people doing real estate. Bye for now.